All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of A Bite of D&D. I've got Zach sitting across from me here, and we are going to dive into another class today. How's it going, guys? Um, today, we're going to look, do something a little bit different than what we normally do when we take a look at these classes. Probably going to be a bit more of a uh, deep dive than we usually do, but I think in this instance, um, it's deep, important. Yeah, it's um, necessary. So what we're looking at here is the mastermind archetype for the rogue. Uh, Zach, what exactly is the, the mastermind kind of all about? Yeah, uh, so mastermind uh, first came out in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide, and I feel like it didn't get near enough attention in there, they thought, so they went ahead and put it in a Xanathar's Guide too. I know they have their own explanation for why they did that um, with some of those archetypes, but to me, this is to try to give masterminds another chance to be popular. Uh, but uh, Masterminds itself is, uh, for once, a rogue class that doesn't care about damage. It's not built, it's way more built around RP situations than it is about how much, how many dice can you roll on a sneak attack. Yeah. Obviously, uh, as a rogue, they still have the sneak attack yep. handy, but they're, the traits in this are not really combat-focused. They're definitely more along the lines of gathering information and how do you can utilize that a little bit more. At least that's how it feels it should be. I don't know how well that comes across, at least to me, yeah. uh, in this particular the archetype. opposite side of the coin of the rogue assassin. Like, rogue assassin is the spy who is out to kill someone. And the mastermind is often the spy who's out to manipulate someone. So they f sometimes can fulfill the same role, but they have a different end resolution. Yeah, and well, their methods of going about it are a little bit different yeah. as well. These are going to be good uh, characters, as kind of the book states. Um, they're going to be a good class for spies, for courtiers, schemers, things like that. Um but again, I'm just going to stress right out the gate, this is not a class to get excited about if you are a, a, a combat dice roller by trade. Like, And I think that's why I, I, I see a lot of questions, especially online, about like, why sell me this class. Why should I ever play a mastermind? And I think the first question has to be, all right, is your game a game of combat? Is that the type of D&D &D session that you guys you typically run? Are you doing dungeon dives and things like that? If so, I'm not sure I can sell you this class. Well, and even if it, it's not, I think a lot of other rogue archetypes do what this is kind of aiming for a little bit better. Yeah. So let's just dive into what their abilities are, uh, and we'll kind of go through this together. Yeah, and Mike, our goal here is not going to be to trash this this archetype. Our goal is to try to look at each one of these traits for this episode and say, this where's is, the gold in this? Yeah, what do we like? How can we maybe change this to be something we enjoy more? Yeah. So we're not trying to tear the part of the, the class part. I do think there's a lot of good things in here. Yeah. Uh, and there are definitely some abilities where me and Zach went in kind of opposite directions with it. So we'll kind of hash everything out here and try to piece together what we think is a... a good way of utilizing the abilities they're given. So at level three, when you first pick up this archetype, uh, this one's pretty straightforward. Um, you gain uh, proficiency with the disguise kit, forgery kit, and one gaming set of your choice. Um, again, it's all about being a spy, getting in there, 
doing your work. Two languages. Uh, and then you gain two languages. So fit in with any crowd, being able to, to get into any situation and understand any situation is really what the mastermind is all about. Yep. Um, it also allows you to unerringly mimic the speech and accent of any creature you hear for at least one minute, uh, allowing you to pretend like you're from Schult or any other region available. Um, so it just allows you to fit in once again better. Fits that spy motif really well. I like this ability a lot. I think that for a third level ability, the two extra languages, um, if you're DM and you have an understanding of kits, which I think is important for 5e, uh, having two kits, two languages, like that alone should be a good boon to this character. It fits well with flavor, and it should see a lot of use. Like, some of these other abilities, not so much, but this one coming out the gate, this is coming out swinging strong, and I think it fits really well. Yep, and rogues oftentimes find themselves the face of the party anyway, and this just gives them more tools where they can kind of get in and manipulate things behind the scenes. Uh, And even if they're not the face of the party, they're the hand behind it that's moving things around and kind of putting things in place. Yeah. So I really like this. It really fits. It it nails the the spy theme um, and the intelligence behind it. So I think we're both in agreement that this one is really good and fits really well. Um, The next action, uh, the next one we also like pretty well. You also get this at third level. And it allows you to use the help action as a bonus action. And you can do it uh, to aid any creature within. 30 feet of you rather than directly next to you this is called master of tactics yes it's it's really interesting on a lot of levels this is i like in my archetype something that's like that's different that nothing else has that that's cool and this is exactly that uh this this comes close to swaying me on this class more than anything about it um because the help action is is a gem in and of itself that isn't often taken use of. And a lot of that's because it takes your whole action. Like, it's like, okay, my whole turn, what I can do is just say, oh, I help this guy, which does not feel fun. But as a bonus action, that's awesome. You can do your own thing and you can say, hey, I noticed this. If you attack them here, you'll probably have a better shot at it. Boom, advantage on their next roll, advantage on you know, whatever they're trying to accomplish there. And you can still use your normal action to help someone else out as well. Yeah, which is super cool, again, because I like that flavor for a mastermind in that he's this this chess master. Master tactician yeah. moving the pieces around the board. Exactly. It's so cool. Like, And, and it's, it's the first time that I've seen a character where I could say... I might be able to play a character that would be fun or have a cool flavor that never fires an arrow, you know, never swings a sword, unless at the worst possible situation. And that is cool. I don't don't know that you can do that with a whole lot of other classes. You know, you're always going to be casting a spell or firing something. And this is just, you. if you spend your whole turn giving advantage to two people, that is a turn well spent. Yep, yep. Um... So, again, another good ability. Uh, it's this next one where we start to, to kind of have an issue with uh, how it's presented. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of classes have a ribbon ability, um, something that's mainly there more for flavor than anything else. And to me, uh, this next one is one of those. And that would be Insightful Manipulator. Um, you get this at level 9. Uh, Zach, what, what does Insightful Manipulator do? 
Uh, so, first off, you have to spend a whole minute observing someone, which I guess in, in, in real world terms feels fine, but it certainly is not an ability that you're going to be using in combat. You basically in a sense, get to know a partial stat block of somebody by observing them. So you get to know, like, I think you get to choose from, like, their strength or their wisdom or their charisma score, things uh, like that. Yeah, you get to choose two uh, two things from a list of their intelligence score, wisdom score, charisma score, or class levels, if they have any. Yeah. And so, you know, just getting to kind of stare down and be like, oh, that guy's a level three bard uh, with a 18 intelligence, like... Okay, that's handy information. I guess I can use it to know what spell my sorcerer should cast on him. You know, like... What saves maybe they're worse at? Yeah, I mean, you could come up with some ideas. And if you're a scout, if you're scouting for your party and trying to gain some knowledge pre-everything, that could be handy. Uh, or also, you know, definitely in the the courtier uh, uh, flavor, knowing the right threads to pick at when you actually yeah. go to interact with that person could be fun like there's some good options here it's just what ways to compliment them uh ask them for advice on something oh you're so smart yeah and there is something you know? at the end of that about like at dm's discretion you yeah. can know a little bit about that person right yeah a little bit of that creature's history or one of its personality traits if it has any and that's almost like a sherlock holmes observation thing like i noticed that there is mud on your shoes from so and from such and such but this is also where uh things kind of get taken out of your hands as a player a little bit. This is where, if you're a DM and listening to this, that you really need to understand your player's abilities because mileage will vary on this ability and how much people enjoy it. It's not a mechanical thing where you get a surefire outcome every time you use it. Uh, It's largely dependent on who you have running your game. And as a DM, you want to make sure that you're making your class abilities and stuff for your players interesting and fun to use. This is something that you could easily basically throw away as just here's some stat blocks, here's some meta knowledge. It's not particularly interesting. Here you go. And it it kind of pulls you out. You lose that suspension of disbelief, kind of get pulled out of the story aspect of it, and you're handed a a sheet of paper that has meta information on it. And it's just not quite as engaging. So and I'm surprised it doesn't also, like, to me, as soon as I read um, Insightful Manipulator, I'm like, oh, it's going to give you some advantage on insight checks against people that you investigate. Now, it doesn't say that in the text. To me, that's a no-brainer. If that person's then trying to ascertain, like, the, the mental state of this of this NPC, that's something that I'm going to lean towards, and I would, I would probably suggest you can, too, in your games, is, like... That insight should go hand in hand with that in in a lot of situations. Well, and I think I would almost rather, and maybe maybe I wouldn't change anything about this. Maybe I would add it. Uh, I don't know why they wouldn't already have it if they're playing this type of rogue. Uh, but I would almost be willing to just give them proficiency with insight if they don't already have it once it gets to this point. Yeah, and hopefully so they would. Hopefully they would. But I mean, tactics and uh, insight in social situations is a little bit different, yeah. right? So. Yeah. Uh, as they get more accustomed to their role as this spy, as this whatever, giving them proficiency and insight is something I feel like makes a little bit of sense. They do already get proficiency in two kits, though, in languages, so handing out too much might be a little bit much, but I think it makes the ability more worthwhile um, without completely changing its dynamic too yeah. much. 
Yeah. Well, let's talk about misdirection. So this is another one, like how we mentioned with that last one, mileage can vary. With misdirection at 13th level, you can sometimes cause another creature to suffer suffer an attack meant for you. Um, when you are targeted by an attack uh, and you have an enemy within five feet, you can cause that attack to hit the enemy next to you using your reaction. Which sounds so good until you think about the fact that you're playing with people. And if you are a DM... How many freebies do you give that rogue? How many NPCs do you let run over and stand next to that rogue so that he never gets shot at? Like, at some point you say, they figured it out, they're not going to go next to you. And probably at some point means after the first round. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, most enemies aren't stupid. They at least have average intelligence. They'll figure it out pretty quickly. As you guys gain more renown, they're going to already know about the tactics that you employ. And as a DM, how far do you take that? How much of that meta knowledge do you let seep into your plans for the encounter? Because absolutely, your your player should get opportunities to use this ability. But in practice, how effective, how reliable is it really going to be? What is the purpose of him uh, having this anyways? Uh, He's not going to be up in the front lines. So it's going to be once in a blue moon where people move past the front line to get to him. And then he and then they also shoot at him from their back line. It sounds cool. And then and then I think in play, you're not going to get a whole lot of use out of it. However, I think and we maybe maybe we can skip their last ability for just a minute because I think this leads right into I think this class has some promise but not as a playable character archetype but as an NPC archetype. Yeah, we are definitely looking at this and a lot of these abilities feel much more at home with the, the conniving villain who's throwing his minions in front of him to take the blows uh, and arrows coming by and he trips one of his minions out in front of him to catch the arrow. He pushes one of them in front of the sword coming down at him. Um, And this evil conniving character uh, that's manipulating the battlefield, but not in the same style. Yeah, I like the more... When I saw this, when I looked at that ability, I'm like, I see this more as like a cool boss encounter ability. I started going back and looking at some of this other... um, some of these other traits and I'm like the master of tactics that, that where you can add help to other people that could be really cool for a boss fight or you're giving orders to your minions the insight manipulator is a really cool ability to use against the players because if you've got your mastermind your your villain he can have spied on your characters from afar he has traps laid ahead of you it's information you as a dm would have anyway yeah it's really cool as like a an npc class and i i think that there's some in special circumstances in the right game i think like a a curse of strahd or something like that a campaign setting like that i think a mastermind pc could be fun a lot of fun on the flip side of that because i was just thinking of it when i said uh it's information you as a dm would have anyway uh it'd be very easy to turn this into a mary sue type character uh for you as a dm so don't get too mean with it but i think as a 
villain of a campaign, they would do very well. Yeah. I think uh, that's as, especially as maybe an NPC that they've been friends with for a while that's been using them for information. Uh, and it turns out that they've been working behind their back this whole time could be really cool. And that leads into the last ability that they have. It's a 17th level ability Mm -hmm. called Soul of Deceit. Again, not a great, it's not a combat ability. If you're, again, if you're hoping for a fighting class, you will, you're not going to get that out of this, but it's a great moment for RP. You have the text there in front of you. Give him a quick overview of what it's all about. So, uh, and this is where he and I had a little bit of a debate on the extent to which this ability could be used. So I may have to reach out to uh, the team uh, and see Jeremy Crawford and, and those guys for sage advice on what their thoughts on this are. But... Uh, it says your thoughts can't be read by telepathy or any other me- or other means uh, unless you allow it. You can present false thoughts by succeeding on a charisma uh, deception check contested by the reader's wisdom insight check. Additionally, no matter what you say, magic that would determine if you are telling the truth indicates you are being truthful if you so choose, and you can't be compelled to tell the truth by magic. So where we disagree or where we have some confusion is, in my mind, what that's saying is, hey, telepathy and any other, like, magical means can't be used to determine your actual thoughts. Like, I don't, I, I think that that's where it, the line is drawn and it doesn't come into, like, lying just in general. See, and my take on this was um, that... Because your thoughts can't be read by telepathy or other means, that would include things like insight. Because insight is really, what are you really thinking? And it's it's another way of trying to guess at someone's thoughts, their, their inner thoughts on the situation. And in my mind, that would cover insight chucks as well. So, yeah. And this, it, this ability has a lot of... Uh, connotations around it which i think make it an interesting thing but then like when you start to look at like okay this is a character who probably has a high charisma who has probably dumped a lot of points into uh their their proficiency being like persuasion and deception and now at a 17th level you're making three quarters of the uses of deception non-existent um, you can just succeed, which is kind of interesting, but you probably already had a high deception role to begin with. Like, so to me, I just like, it's really cool. I like it as a flavor, but the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, well, you're probably going to have a lot of that anyway. I mean, if you have like, what, what's a, what's a 17th level rogue going to have for, uh, we can check real quick actually, but what's a 17th level rogue going to have for a proficient uh, for a skill proficiency at at that point well and assuming you're taking uh the double uh, double proficiency bonus on um your deception and things like that you're gonna have 12 plus maybe as high as 20 so so on an average roll you're gonna have a 30 you know and that again it just comes down to like how often is a 30 not going to succeed and make this ability necessary? And maybe, I mean, there's definitely spells and stuff. Well, that I think that's that. where exactly where this ability come, becomes necessary because when you have 
the ability to lie, lie that well, lie through your teeth without trying. Even in the zone of only truth. way to try to get around that is by magical means, and now they can't even do that. And that's such a go-to for a lot of player groups is like, oh, well, we're going to interview or interrogate this guy, so we're going to cast Zone of Truth to make sure that everything he's telling us is 100% true. And then this guy can just lie through his teeth through it. So that is cool. Because, um, yeah, you can't do that with a with a, a, a skill of 20 deception. Yeah. So uh, I definitely think it's cool as a player. But again, I think this is way cooler to pull out uh, in an NPC you're using as kind of the villain of whatever campaign arc you're currently on. Yeah. Uh, you, your players, I think there's going to be more draw. I mean, if you're talking about a trickster type of character, you've got all sorts of routes to go for that. You can do, obviously, other rogue archetypes, but you can also do all sorts of bards. You can do fey warlocks. You can do knowledge or trickery uh, clerics. And even the spy background has some of that flavor. So there's a lot of options. And then... And I'm not sure that this is the most exciting. And then on the combat perspective, if you want to play that trickster manipulator in combat, again, I think there's plenty of rogue archetypes that do that better. Probably some other, I think some of the bard archetypes probably do that better. But certain niched situations, I think steering the steering the party towards this, if you're going to do an urban setting, maybe at a lot of courts and uh, diplomacy and things like that, this could be fun. Yeah, and... I mean, you're still a rogue. You still get those sneak dice. You're still going to be pumping out some damage, and you'll just get a little bit different feel with it. Overall, I think it's a pretty solid class. I think it's still fun, but the more we looked into it, the more I liked it as a villain than I did a player. And I guess uh, to kind of add to that, if you were playing an evil campaign where you got to be a group of villains, it might have the right flavor then to make it more appealing to your players. Yep. So I think that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. Uh, Have you tried them out? Uh, What are your thoughts on them? Let us know. And as always, we will see you next time. Yep. See you next week.